love you. I want to welcome everyone to uh, church this morning. We're happy to be here. We're happy to be part of a global community that's meeting in Jesus' name right now. I hopefully you feel that fellowship, not just with your brothers and sisters here at Central, but that you feel a partnership with men and women around the world that are meeting in the name of Jesus, lifting up His name, worshiping with Him. I love watching our church take communion together. With that physical step of coming up and receiving the body and blood of Christ, we're saying, I'm with Him. I'm with Jesus. I put my present and my future and my past with Him. I cast my lots with Him. I need you. I trust you. We say all of those things when we physically get up and come and take and receive the body and blood of Jesus. I I love that we do that. I also love that our church is committed to publicly reading Scripture. I think it's critical uh, that we do that. I love that we're going through systematically uh, the book of Acts together. And it's, it's good to do that. This is a really famous set of scriptures that we're reading today, and a lot of super important things are going on in the story of our earliest brothers and sisters, the earliest Christians, the earliest followers that assembled around Jesus, that accepted the body and blood of Jesus, that put their hope in the resurrection of Jesus, that received God's Holy Spirit. It's an important, uh, important time. If you would, Mitzi invited you to, if you haven't, Will you open up either your phone, I trust you, open up your phone to Acts chapter uh, 11, or uh, turn to page 1710, because we're going to be reading these scriptures together. I really believe that if you hear them and you see them and you're reading them, it really helps them sink. It's a, a teaching method for kids that actually works. And that's good. The first question I want to ask is the question that I'm going to end with, so get ready. Does this sound good to you? That the Lord's hand was with them. That's a phrase that comes out of this set of Scriptures. And the Lord's hand was with them. And I want to ask you today, does that sound good to you? Are you trying to get away from the guidance and the leadership of the Lord? Would you rather His hand not be on you? And you just do your thing. Are you glad and comforted and hopeful that the Lord's hand will always be on you? That you need the Lord's hand on you? That you want the Lord's hand on you to protect you, to guide you, to forgive you, to heal you, to love you, to all of these things? Does this sound good to you? We see the earliest Christians engaging in the behaviors of Christ and they are called Christians for the very first time right here. But they were called Christians because they were acting like Christ. Critical. Critical. When I'm no longer uh, an active member of the fire service, I will be a retired member 
of the fire service because I will no longer be actually doing those things. Can't wait. But I won't, I won't say that, yeah, I'm a firefighter for the city. Of, I was a firefighter. Christians engage in the activities of Christ. We are those things. We do those things. And there's no retirement from those things. We choose them because we want to. And not only do we believe it's the best way and the right way, we believe that it's the holy way. The prescribed way. So have this question in mind. Does this sound to you? We'll finish there today. We're going to read through uh, each of these sections again. We broke them up into three sections. So let's read Acts 11, 19-21 again together. Now those who had been scattered by the per- persecution that had broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus, Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. And the Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to God. One of the things we want to make sure we identify here is that the gospel message was going out, but it wasn't exactly how God had hoped it would go out. We are in the middle of watching the church transition from a primarily Jewish focus to a worldly focus. Worldly, not bad. Worldly meaning everyone's included. For years and generations, God had come to the Jews, and that was a hard transition for the earliest church to make that non-Jews could be saved by the love of Jesus Christ as well. And the call was for them and not just for us. And here we see that some of them that were scattered when Stephen was murdered, they were still doing God's Word, but they, they were only sharing it with Jews. But some of them, they were also sharing it with Greeks as well. I want you to know that the trajectory of the Gospel is for everyone to be included under the umbrella of the saving love of Jesus Christ. And we're watching that happen. But it's not perfect. Any organization that you're a part of, I hope that you see a trajectory of improvement. A trajectory of of betterment. Of doing better. Admitting wrong. Making good changes for the right reasons. And here we see this young church wrestling with the fact that God wants the gospel to go to all. The good news is the message was going out. The message was going out. And we see that in the, in the first couple of verses of our uh, section today. But this is the goal, that the good news of Jesus was for everyone. For Jews and non-Jews alike. And we see that happening, although imperfectly, we see it happening here. That's kind of hard for me to see that. Maybe it's even harder for you to see. But at the bottom right of the map, that's where Jerusalem is. And it just shows the Gospel spread. That, that city to the far right, Damascus. We know that uh, after, uh, after uh, Stephen was, was murdered, that the Gospel had made it as far as Damascus because that's where Saul went to the Sanhedrin. He had written note to go to Damascus and to persecute Christians that had made it that far. But now, even farther the Gospel has spread, all the way up 
to Antioch, to the total uh, northeast uh, corner of the Mediterranean Sea. So we see these things that were spoken about coming true, and many people are putting their faith in Jesus. And I love how Luke puts it here, is that they believed and turned to God. And we have to know that. We have to know that. Repentance is synonymous with turning. I was this way, and now I'm this way. I was against God, now I'm with God. It's a change. It's not a tweak. It's a total change. That either we're not with Him, or we're with Him. And this tells the truth about coming to Jesus Christ, is that it's not just a mental exercise. It's not just believing. It's believing and choosing to change, and no one can force you. No one can make me. That's what makes it beautiful. I love God. Because I want to. I want to. And that's the only way it makes a difference in your life. If it's something that you know is true and that you choose to do. Not because someone has made you or because your mom or daddy did it or because your boyfriend or girlfriend or because your husband or wife or because your best friends or your grandma or whatever. It's got to be because you want to. It's the only way it's going to stick. It's the only way it's going to be real because it's got to be your choice. I love that Luke defined this so well is that they believed and turned, both Jews and non-Jews. Also in this first set of Scripture, Acts 11, 19-21, we see a lot of Scriptures being fulfilled. And to me, that's something that builds into my faith, is when I see something that was said or told that would happen, when it actually does happen. And we can follow that train of, of thought, and we can look back in the ancient Scriptures, and we can see this is where God said this, and this is where it happened. This is where Jesus said this, and this is where it happened. This is where the prophet said this, and this is where it happened. We see a lot of that happening here in these scriptures. Here's some of them. In, in the ancient book, in the dust book, in the way back book, the Genesis book, God was telling Abraham, you're going to be the father of many nations. And through your obedience, many nations are going to be blessed. You see, from the very beginning, the trajectory of the gospel was for all people, not just a people. It was for all people from way back. We see that in Matthew 28, Jesus says, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. And he goes farther, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything. There's, a, there's an obedience part of it. There's a followership part of this. You see this coming true here with they believed and turned and in John 3.16, for God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. The trajectory of God has always been for all people to have access to the loving grace of Jesus Christ. We see it in Acts chapter 1 where Jesus prophesies that the Holy Spirit will come and you'll go uh, to Jerusalem and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We, we see that. He said, you'll be my witness there. And we see that happening as the Gospel spreads wider and farther into more people than it ever has before. 
And then finally, we have to know this. And in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, the, the Bible promises that God works for the good of those who love Him, who've been called according to His purpose. We've said this before, but the murder of Stephen is what propelled the church to scatter, but also what took the church farther than Jerusalem. The murder of Stephen was not good, and Jesus wasn't cool with that. Just because God can work for the good doesn't mean it was good. Do you understand? Because good can come out of suffering, because good can come out of of, of difficulty, because good can come out of persecution. It doesn't make those things good or okay or right. But it shows the power of God that He can use even the worst of things and bring good and work for our good. That His plan will not be stopped. No matter what. His plan will not be stopped. Do you know that in your heart? That the God you serve, that His plan will not be stopped. You're good to go. Put your feet down. Buckle up. It's going to be a trip. But you can trust it. God will not be stopped. I love when we see these scriptures being fulfilled. And this set of four or so scriptures in in Acts chapter 9 are just ripe with prophecies being fulfilled. And it's beautiful. I want to make sure we comment comment on that. In these, in these first uh, set of scriptures, Luke 11, 19 through 21, we see that the, God, uh, that the Lord's hand is with us, and we see that the followers were becoming leaders, and the members were becoming ministers. And this is a critical thing for all of us. There's a progression of faith. There's a progression of faith. You're called to be better. Not, for you, not, not pridefully better, not arrogant better, but you're called to grow in Christ. You're called to learn from Him. We have a phrase in the fire, depart- in the fire department. Someone might be a 25-year veteran, but they probably did, just did the first year 25 times. It means they weren't a very good employee as far as getting better. Yeah, they've worked here for 25 years, but really they can only be trusted with first-year things. That's that's not how we're supposed to be in church either, in our relationship with God either. We're supposed to grow with Him. It's natural for Laura and I to give Daniel more responsibilities as he grows. It's natural. It should be natural for us as Christians to take on and be able to handle harder and more things as we grow with God When followers become leaders, when members become ministers, that's when really things start going and we see it happening here. There can be a bad habit in churches. I'm not saying just this church, but in churches to say that, well, that's the minister's job. And some things are. The ministers should be doing those things. But if it's always somebody else's job, and never your job. Spend some time with the Bible and in prayer in front of a mirror for a minute, please. Please. Because if, if, if it's always somebody else's job, and never your job, you've missed some critical teaching here. That we are to grow in Christ. And as we grow in Christ, we mature in Christ. As we mature in Christ, we become more knowledgeable of Christ, more capable in Christ. And trust me, I'm saying this over and over like this because Christ is with us. He's promised his Holy Spirit with us. And if you believe that, that God won't be stopped, is there anything that God can't do in you? Or do you trust Him to use you the way He sees fit? 
We see followers becoming leaders. We see the scattered becoming preachers. We see the members becoming ministers. And they didn't say it was somebody else's job. Oh, it's the apostles' job. It's the elders' job back in Jerusalem. I wish they'd come up here to Antioch. Why aren't they here with me? No, they just got after it. Sharing the word of God to both Jews and Gentiles. It's our job to take the word of Christ. It's our job to be Christians. Also, we see the gospel being lived out and shared with everyone. Praise God. And again, I want to say imperfectly. Let's be patient as an organization that the central church of Christ is not perfect. Because we're made up of imperfect people who have the capability of making mistakes. And so let's be patient with each other as we go and grow in Christ. You should never try to do wrong, of course. You should always apologize when you do wrong. But man, we're not perfect. And if you're depending on the church to be perfect, boy, man, let's just put our hope and our faith in God. And let's just grow together as a church. We see an imperfect church doing better here. And that's, that's what we are as well. The hand of God was with them as followers became leaders, as members became ministers, and the gospel was lived out and shared uh, with everyone. Let's read our next section. Acts eleven twenty two through 24. The news of this reached the church in Jerusalem. The news of this being that the gospel was being spread, that Jews and Gentiles were turning to God, and that, that people were living out the gospel. The news of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man. He was full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Barnabas wasn't one of the originals. Why Barnabas? Why didn't Peter go? Why didn't Bartholomew go? Why didn't Matthew go? Why Barnabas? Why did the apostles send Barnabas to Antioch? This is the beauty of Bible study. There's some really, really good reasons. And you can learn that Christian leaders don't always make bad decisions. Like This was a really, really good decision. To, oh, that was supposed to be funny. It was supposed to be funny, whatever, just laugh it up. Uh, but why did they choose Barnabas? Because he was an encourager. Because when things are starting along, it's not perfect. And you need somebody to say, good job! And keep it up, I'm proud of you. I see what you got going on there. Atta boy, I see you. They needed an encourager. They needed someone who was gracious. Meaning they offered grace. Someone who was kind and generous. You remember how Barnabas, his name was Joseph. He was raised in a place called Cyprus, but he came to Jerusalem during the Pentecost. The Holy Spirit fell on him, and he's the, one of the ones that stuck around. And as they were trying to care for all of these people that were in Jerusalem from all these other places who had put on Jesus Christ as Lord, they needed money to do it. And Barnabas worked it out where he sold a piece of property, and he gave it all to the church to care for the, the people's needs. He's a generous man. He's a part of the squad. He believes in the mission. 
He's invested. He's a welcoming person. I say he's welcoming because you remember when Saul found faith and Ananias went to him and the scales fall off and the things and the prayer and the fasting and the Holy Spirit and Saul's baptism, none of the apostles would go see Saul. But Barnabas did. Barnabas was strong enough, courageous enough, tough enough, and saw God as big enough that even Saul could find faith when all the other apostles wouldn't go to Saul. Barnabas did because he was unafraid. When you hear encourager, kind, gentle, gracious, don't think wimp. Not with Barnabas. Dude was nails. Tough, strong, determined, dependable. And he was from Cyprus. You remember, in Antioch, some of the, the followers had gone to Antioch, and the ones that were from Cyprus and Cyrene, they're the ones telling the Greeks. They're the ones off track. They're the ones kind of on the edge. Barnabas was just the right guy because he was from the place they were from. Christian leaders can make good decisions. They sent the right guy. Barnabas was the right guy. And part of the story that we started telling earlier, if it's always somebody else's job and not your job, what are you the right person for? God did not save us. God did not uh, forgive us. God did not redeem us so we could sit our, on our hands and go to church once a week. He, he saved us to, to partner with Him and to act like Him, and to be like Him, and to do like Him. And so what are you the right person for? What in God's plan does He need you for? Barnabas was just the right guy. The apostles weren't passing something off. They made a good decision here and sent the right guy. Gracious, kind, welcoming, encouraging, generous. And from a place of the people that they were having a hard time with. We can see in this set of Scripture that the Lord's hand was on them because the leaders celebrated the grace of God. Christians should recognize the grace of God. As we have received, so should we be able to recognize. Barnabas was the right person, and we know that God's hand was in this because when he got there, he took kind of situational awareness. He looked around. He did a little size up. What do I see? I see people of all genders, uh, or both genders of all nationalities, all confessing Christ, all believing and turning, all living for Christ, all receiving God's Holy Spirit. And he said, what, what's the encouragement he gives them? The encouragement he gives them is to keep believing and don't quit. He says in, uh, in verse, let me find this here. And when he arrived, he saw that the grace of God, what the grace of God has done, and he was glad and he encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all of their heart. It takes a strong leader to come into a place that they haven't created and say, man, it's good. Y'all are killing it. Good job. A lot of times leaders want to make it theirs and do their thing and bring in their people. And, and, you know what I'm saying? Barnabas, he just got there and said, Y'all are doing it. Keep it up. Put, put your whole faith in God and love Him with all your heart. 
you're doing a great job. Godly leaders set a good example. Remaining true to the Lord with all of our heart is the most important thing. That was Barnabas' encouragement to this new fledgling church that had uh, woke up or came to be true in Antioch. He said, y'all got it. Just keep doing it. I also want to say this. When you think of a church leader or a Christian leader, does your name ever come to your mind? Because you're a leader to someone. All y'all are leaders to someone. Every one of you has at least somebody that looks up to you. So when you're thinking of Christian leaders and you're thinking to yourself, boy, pray about it, I'm telling you. Because you need to see yourself as a minister, as a leader, as someone who people look up to. Because your example matters. How you act and how you react matters. The things you say and the things you don't say matters. The things you do and don't do matters. The way you talk, the way you dress, the way you give, the way you forgive. All these things matter. It's important that all of us see ourselves as leaders. It's critical. And we see that happening here. The church took responsibility for the church. It's beautiful. In the fire service, we say safety is everyone's job. Safety is everyone's job. I don't want to go to something and somebody get hurt, and then back at the firehouse, somebody else say, yeah, I saw that was going to happen. Man, say something, dude. Say something. If you see something, it's in God's Spirit, then say something. We're all called to be leaders. Christianity and Christian leadership in some form is all of our jobs. Finally, let's wrap up in Acts chapter 11, verses 25 through 30. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus and took Saul, uh, sorry, to look for Saul. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. And during this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them named Agabus stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. And the disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. This they did, sending their gifts to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. Here we see how important Barnabas is to the life and mission and the Christianity, the origin story for Saul. Their names should always be said together. Because if Barnabas wouldn't have gone to bat for Saul way back when, and if he hadn't gone get him again, I don't know what happens. We don't have to worry about it because the fellow was faithful and he went and got Saul again. And he brought him here. And they dedicated time to teaching and discipling, not only outwardly, but inwardly. 
When we talk about discipling, that's as much as on us as it is something we do. So are you willing to disciple? And are you willing to be discipled? It's critical for us to be able to do both of those things fluently. To be able to share our story about why we love Jesus and what He's done for us. And to be able to work through the Bible together. And for us to be able to receive discipline and discipleship. To be able to receive encouragement to do things better. Mama always says, it's not what you say, it's how you say it, right? If you got an encouragement to give somebody, then do it nicely, y'all. Be nice. Be nice. It's possible to be honest and kind. It's possible. We've got to do it. If you see somebody that could do something better, and you've got something that you need to say to them, you better make sure it's from God. And when you come to them, you better be nice. How are you going to receive it when someone's coming at you rude or hostile? Super critical. Putting you down. That's off-putting. Nobody likes that. Nobody receives that well. But if someone comes to me and it's obvious that they love me, they obviously see good in me, and they obviously want me to do better, and they can show me that it's from God and how it would be good, well, it's on me to take that. It's on me to listen. It's on me to hear and make that change prayerfully. We see that not only Barnabas Continual, Barnabas's continual discipleship of Saul, but we see now that them partnering up, good leaders know how to bring good people in. We, we can't be pushing people away. No, this is my ministry. This is my thing. This is my area. And no. Barnabas could have been the man in Antioch. Boy could have been the, the man but he knew that it was best for Saul and best for the church to bring somebody else in. Barnabas and Saul are absolutely synonymous. You don't have one without the other. Not only were they discipling, but they were being discipled, making each other better. And we see at the very end that some people, some followers who were led by God's Holy Spirit, they came to the city of Antioch and they were prophesying about a famine uh, that would be in the land. And the followers believed that and they did something about it. They took up a collection and they sent it on. Is it interesting to you that one of their leaders, Barnabas, is such a generous person and now we see this church that he's helping lead be so generous? Followers become like the ones they're following. It, it's a direct link up. And so, if the people that are looking up to you aren't really getting any better, if the people who are following you aren't really growing in God, churches become like their leaders, and we see that here. Barnabas is welcoming gentle, kind, encouraging, generous man, the church that he's pastoring is doing just that. It's a great quality of leaders when leaders can lead churches into the great qualities of God. That's really the goal. The goal isn't to become like the leader. The goal is to become like the leader, like the leader is becoming like God. You guys get all that, right? Like none of us are bigger than Jesus. None of us are big. None of us. 
we're all a drop in the bucket. We're all a piece, a cog in the wheel, whatever other phrase you want to use. We're all a part of this because Jesus is the king of this. And we're calling each other to be more like God. I also love this uh, because we see the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18 18 through 20. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and I'll be with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus says, we see the Great Commission living out in these small set of verses. That the Gospel was going to all nations, and that they were being taught to obey Jesus didn't die for us so that we could come to church. He died for us so we could live with Him and for Him. So we could be like Him. Obedience, changing our life, repentance, is a key component of faithful Christianity. And all of us are in need of it. We see that the Lord's hand was on them as the Christians were devoting themselves to learning and teaching God's Word. They listened and followed God's Holy Spirit and they were trusting God to, to lead us uh, to share. And If you find yourself being a very generous person, it's probably because you trust God a lot. If you find yourself being stingy, your trust muscle probably needs to be worked out a little bit. There, there's probably something that you're not trusting God with if you find yourself being stingy. Like you don't always, you, you never have enough. And you always need more. And it, giving is always kind of back burner. But if you find yourself being generous, being free with your gifts and talents and energy and time and money, it's probably because your trust muscle is an exercise. Because you've, you trust the Lord. That He will provide for you. We finish where we started. Does this sound good to you? We hear people say, get your hands off me. Get your hands off me. Or I need you to guide me. I need your hands to guide me. See a picture of a a parent and a child walking, one holding the other's hand. Or do you see it? Get, Get off me. Get your hands off me. Discipleship Followership, Christianity is about inviting God's hands to be on you. To welcome Him into your life. To guide you, to protect you, to lead you, to teach you, to forgive you. If you see yourself being deceitful, or kind of, I want to do my thing and get your hands off me. It's none of your business. That's a sign that you've tur- you're turning or have turned away from God. But if God's hand is something that you look for, to grab, to hold, that you want on you, take that as a really good sign that you're trusting the Lord and you want Him with you. That's where we want to be. Uh, this is a really great verse that I can't read. Hang on a second. It's from Isaiah 43. I am the Lord, your God, who takes hold of your right hand and says, Do not fear. 
I will help you. Heavenly Father, may your hands always be upon us and may that be a good thing to us. We pray through Jesus. Amen.